I'm glad to see each and every one of you out this evening. I encourage you to take out your Bibles and follow along to test the things I have to say to see if they are by the Word of God. Find what I say to be the truth. I hope that we can take it and apply it in our everyday walks of life and be better servants of God in the future than we have been in times past. We can learn a lot by the songs that we sing. One of my favorite songs has been for many years is the song, It Is Well With My Soul. The story behind that song is a very sad and touching story. The author was a man by the name of Horatio Spafford. Mr. Spafford was a lawyer up in the Chicago area. Him and his family decided to take a trip. And he, had, having business to tend to, stayed behind as his wife and his four kids went on on the trip. On the way, the ship sank. His wife survived, but only his wife of his family survived. After being contacted by his wife, Mr. Spafford quickly made his way to join her, to be with her. On the way, the captain of the ship that he was on called him and showed him the very spot where the ship that his family was on went down. It was there at that spot that Mr. Spafford wrote these words. When peace, like a river, attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well with my soul. It's one of my, as I said, it's probably my favorite song. It's a song we often sing as comfort at funerals, but it's also a very uplifting song and very encouraging for us. There was something that Mr. Spafford believed to give him the confidence that he could say, it is well with my soul. There are some things that the Scripture points out that can give us the assurance that we can say that it is well with our soul. So this evening I want us to look at five things in the New Testament that we can conf- that can give us the confidence that we can say, it is well with my soul. The first of those is we can say it is well with my soul because of the love of God and the death of Christ. One of the, if not the most well-known passage in all the Bible is John 3 and in verse 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. God sent His Son to die for us And we're going to get to that in a moment, but I want you to notice first the attitude behind the sending of the Son, and that is that God so loved the world. God loved you and I, that He was willing to send His only Son, who came to this earth, who suffered and was put to death, so that you and I could have that hope of heaven when our life on earth is over. Christ died for us, while we were still helpless. Go to Romans chapter 5. We were there just a few weeks ago, but Romans chapter 5. In Romans chapter 5, and in verse, beginning at verse 6, remember in Romans chapter 5, as Paul is writing about the blessings of justification, he's talking beginning at verse 3 and going through verse 11 about the fact that we have hope. And he gives the evidence of that hope beginning at verse 6. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. 
I like the New American Standard Version there. For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely, verse 7, for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath. Through Him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. I want you to think about this in this text for just a moment. Backing up into verse 6 and 7, while we were still helpless or without strength, there was nothing we in and of ourselves could do to get out of the condition that we were in in sin. None of us could, could save ourselves because we were not going to live perfectly. It took a sacrifice to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We were without strength or we were helpless. Look, we think of verse 7. The more we move through this text, the more it helps us to appreciate what's being said. Look at verse 7. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. The righteous man of the text is the man that does not do you harm, but he does not really do you any good. The good man of the text is the man that does not do you any harm, and he does you some good, but you're not really close to either one of them. It's not like a close friend or a family member. We could illustrate it this way. It would be like your next door neighbor. You have two neighbors, one on either side. The one on the right hand side, you may pass and wave to when you see them out in the yard, but you don't really talk to them. You've never done anything for them. They've never done anything to you. They're a good neighbor. They haven't done anything bad towards you, but they haven't really done you anything to benefit. The neighbor on your left-hand side, maybe when you're out of town, you ask them to feed the animals or water the garden. They've done you some good. The point is, the neighbor on that right-hand side, the, the, the person that you just sort of pass and, and, and wave to, you might find somebody to die for that person. The person on the left-hand side, you know, that good person, the person that does you some good, you'd be a little bit likelier to find someone to die for that person. Now here's the point. But God demonstrates His love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We were sinners. Verse 10, we were enemies. You wouldn't say that your neighbor is your enemy if they don't do you any harm. Just somebody you wave to. They're not your enemy. But you're probably not going to go out and take a bullet for your neighbor. But no, you think about it in this text right here, that Christ died for us while we were enemies. It shows us the love of God. It shows us the love of Christ, that He would die for us while we were enemies, and then we can be reconciled, verse 11. The reason that we can sing the song, and as well with my soul, the reason we can sing those words and mean them, the reason they can bring us great comfort, is that we know that God so loved us that He gave His only Son. And His Son came and died for us while we were enemies, and then we can be reconciled to God. And if we're reconciled to God, then we can sing, It is well with my soul. I'll tell you a second thing. 
we find in the Scriptures. It is well with my soul. We've already seen it's because of the love of God and the death of Christ. But we can say it is well with our soul because Christ was raised from the dead. Yes, Jesus came and He lived and He died. But then He had to be raised from the dead. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we'll go through this rather quickly. We talked about the resurrection just a few weeks ago. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul points out that without the resurrection, our faith is worthless or futile. Look at 1 Corinthians 15. Verse 12, Now if Christ is preached that He has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say there is no resurrection? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. Let's start looking at some of the consequences. Verse 14 I'm looking at the latter half of 14. Then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Skip down to verse 17. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. And in verse 19, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most pitiable. Without the resurrection, our faith is worthless. But we know that Jesus was raised from the dead, and He gives the evidence of that earlier in this same text. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, backing up into verse 1 now. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved if you hold fast the word which I preached to you unless you believed in vain. Listen to what he preached. For I delivered to you of all... Uh, of all that which I received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. He's going to give some evidence of that. He was seen by Cephas, verse 5, then by the twelve. Then in verse 6, He's seen by 500 at once. In verse 7, He's seen by James, then by all the apostles. And then in verse 8, He's seen by Paul as one born out of due time. Paul's compiling the evidence here that Jesus is raised from the dead. Here's the witnesses. If you were laying out a court case and you had two or three witnesses, that, that story was the, was the same, you'd have enough to make a decision. You would have enough if you're trying to get a conviction in a case that two people said, I, you know, I saw him rob the store. You would have enough people to get a conviction. You would have enough evidence to get a conviction right there. Now listen to what it says about Jesus being raised from the dead. Listen to the number of people that seen Him. Cephas, the twelve, five hundred at once. James and Paul. That's an overwhelming number of witnesses. Jesus is clearly raised from the dead, and the resurrection has given us hope that we can say it as well with our soul. But why is that? We said that the, the, the resurrection gives us the hope that we can say it as well with our soul, but why is it that the resurrection can give us that hope? I want you to notice with me three things. Three things in the Scripture that the resurrection, why the resurrection gives us that hope. Number one, it proves Jesus the Son of God. Yes, Jesus has said He's the Son of God. Jesus, but many other people claim to be the Son of God. There were many people that went out and tried to claim to be somebody that were not. But by the resurrection of the dead, it proved Jesus to be whom He claimed to be. Look at Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. And in verse 4. Romans chapter 1 and in verse 4. And declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness, listen, by the resurrection from the dead. Jesus is proved to be who He claimed to be because Jesus was raised from the dead. And by Him being raised from the dead, we have the proof there 
that He is the Son of God. Go back to 1 Corinthians 15. We were there earlier. Or first go to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. The resurrection, by the resurrection we can have newness of life. Look at Romans chapter 6. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? Therefore we were buried with Him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Skip down into verse 10 and 11. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead and need to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you go over into the into chapter 5, we looked at it already, that we shall be saved by his life in verse 10 of chapter 5. And in Romans chapter 4, that he was raised because of our justification. We can be justified because Jesus was raised from the dead. We can have the hope of this newness of life. We can live a new life because we can be raised. When we die to the old man of sin, we can be raised to be a new man in Christ, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. And that can give us the confidence to say it as well with my soul. And then it gives us the hope that we too can be raised. Look at 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. But now Christ is risen, verse 20, from the dead, and has become the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as an animal will die, even so in Christ all will be made alive. But each one in his order, Christ the firstfruits after were those who are Christ is coming. Then comes the end when He delivers the kingdom to God the Father and He puts it into all rule and authority and power. First Corinthians 15 is dealing with people that are denying the resurrection and they're denying that we will be raised and He's making the point that if we will not be raised because there is no such thing as a resurrection, Jesus is not raised. But if Jesus was raised, that is proof for us that we too can be raised. And the latter half of 15 is some of the most comforting words in all of Scripture. Behold, I tell you, verse 51 of 1 Corinthians 15, a mystery, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that it is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? And so Jesus being raised from the dead, it gives us the hope that we too can be raised and we can spend eternity with God forever in heaven when we are raised. And that should give us the confidence that we can say, it is well with my soul. I want you to notice the third thing with me this evening. We can say it as well with our soul. We've already seen because of the love of God and death of Christ, because Christ was raised from the dead, and because God is on our side. Because God is on our side. Turn to Hebrews chapter 13 with me. Hebrews chapter 13 and in verse 5. Hebrews chapter 13 and in verse 5. Let your conduct be without covetousness, 
Be content with such things as you have, for He Himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear. What can man do to me? We can have the confidence in this life that no matter come what may, that the Lord has said that if we are serving Him faithfully, He will be with us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. And so we can stand in the midst of trials no matter what comes. And we can stand firm and serve God faithfully. We have this confidence that God is on our side because we are more than conquerors. Go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Beginning at verse 31, Paul raises the question, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He, verse 32, who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is He who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Then he raises this last series of questions in verse 35 and 36. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Now listen to verse 37. Yet... Yet, in all things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. I like the New American Standard there again. We overwhelmingly conquer. When God is on our side, there will be no doubt if we serve Him faithfully that He is ultimately victorious and that we can have our reward. Continue in the text, picking up at verse 38. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Here's the point of the text. If you are serving God faithfully, if you are serving God faithfully, then nothing can separate you from the love of God. Yes, you can choose to leave... But if you are serving God faithfully, none of these things come and can separate you from the love of God in and of themselves. You have to make that decision yourself. So we make up our minds that we're going to serve God faithfully and we're serving God faithfully. And when trials come our way, we can have the confidence that we can overwhelmingly conquer. We can have the confidence that no matter come what may then we can serve God faithfully and we can have our reward in heaven because He's not going to leave us or forsake us and nothing can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ. And ultimately, as already mentioned, Christ is victorious. Revelation chapter 17. Revelation chapter 17. The key to the book of Revelation is chapter 17 and in verse 14. These will make war with the Lamb... And the Lamb will overcome them, for He is Lord of lords and King of kings. And those who are with Him are called, chosen, and faithful. Ultimately, the point of the book of Revelation is that you may be facing these trials. You may be facing persecution. You may begin to question when you will have relief from the things that you are suffering. But remember this. Ultimately, while these will make war with the Lamb, the Lamb will overcome them. 
If we serve God faithfully, we can have our reward. And because of this, that it gives us comfort and hope, and because of the fact that God has said He will not leave us nor forsake us, and that if we're serving Him, we are more than conquerors, and that we know He is ultimately victorious, we can confidently say, it is well with my soul. Let me tell you a fourth thing. A fourth thing that is pointed out. We can say it as well with my soul because God has given us a plan to be forgiven. God has given us a plan to be forgiven. Yes, Christ came. Yes, He died. Yes, He was raised from the dead. And God has said He will not leave us nor forsake us. But before all that, we are after this and before we can have the hope that God is on our side, we've got to understand that we've got to obey God's plan to be forgiven. And He's given us a way by where we may be forgiven. Let's talk first and foremost about God's plan for the alien sinner. God has given a plan for those that, for the alien sinner that they may come and to obey. The first of those is to hear. Probably the first memory verse that many of us ever learned is Romans 10 and in verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the first thing the alien sinner needs to do is they need to hear God's word. After hearing, they need to believe, John 3.16. If Romans 10 wasn't your first memory verse, it was probably John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but of everlasting life. So the alien sinner needs to hear the Word of God. They need to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Unless you believe that I am He, you will die in your sins, Jesus said. Hebrews chapter 11, For without faith it is impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that He is, and that He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. Then we need to repent of our sins. In Acts chapter 17, Acts chapter 17 and dropping down into verse 30, as Paul is talking to them in Athens here in the midst of the Areopagus, he comes in Acts chapter 17 and in verse 30, and here's what he says. Truly these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. Because he's appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. Now that you've heard the Word of God and you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, you need to repent of your sins. you got to make up your mind that you're going to put that past life behind you and then, and then decide and change your actions to follow that. I'm going to put that life behind and then don't look back. God's appointed a day in which He will judge the world in righteousness, so we need to repent, Acts 17, 30 and 31. Then confess. In Romans chapter 10, 9 and 10, we'll be getting there next week in our Bible study, but in Romans chapter 10, 9 and 10, Paul by inspiration writes that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes in the righteousness and with the mouth confession is made into salvation. This is the confession that was made all the way back in the book of Acts chapter 8. Where in Acts chapter 8, 
the Ethiopian eunuch, when Philip said to him, if you believe, after he's raised the question, what's hindering me from being baptized, he says, Philip tells him, if you believe with all your heart, you may. We need to make the confession the eunuch made where he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So for those that are present or the alien center, you then need to make confession, acknowledge that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And then be buried in the waters of baptism that you can rise and walk in a newness of life. Look at Mark 16, 16. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. This is the plan that God has given whereby we must be saved for those that are the alien sinner, for those that have never obeyed the gospel. When you take a look at this plan that God has given to hear, believe, repent, confess, and be buried in the waters of baptism, and you do that, you can confidently say, it is well with my soul. But what about for those who have obeyed the gospel, but somewhere along have have erred concerning the faith? The erring child of God, what do they need to do? First, the erring child of God needs to confess their sins. First John 1 John 1.9 If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then to repent and pray. Repent therefore of this your wickedness and pray God if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. When you think about the words of that song as we sing it, each every time that we sing that song it is well with my soul. A song of great comfort. A song of great encouragement. For those that are present who may have never obeyed the gospel, or for those who are present who say, who look at their lives and say that they've erred concerning the faith and they're not living as they should. That song doesn't have that same message of hope. It doesn't have that same message of comfort. Because when you look at your life, you cannot truly say, it is well with my soul which shows us the need to obey the gospel. The need to make correction for those that are children of God that have sin in their lives. And then, when that sin is taken care of and you're forgiven of it, whether the alien sinner that obeys the gospel or the erring child of God that makes correction, you can confidently say, it is well with my soul. But finally this morning, or this evening, I want us to consider that we can say it as well with our soul because we have a home in heaven. In Hebrews chapter 13 and in verse 4. Hebrews chapter 13 and in verse 4. For we have no continuing city, but we seek the one to come. This reminds me of the passage back in Hebrews chapter 11. We're in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11, beginning at verse 13. It says, or first back up to verse 10. It says of Abraham, talking about him leaving Ur of the Chaldees and going into a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, verse 9. The heirs with him of the same promise. Here's why Abraham could do that. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Skip down to verse 13 with me. Here's what that city is. 
These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. We have that hope of heaven, the city that is to come, the city whose, whose builder and maker is God, that heavenly country that Abraham and Isaac and Jacob sought, a place that is prepared by Jesus. In John chapter 14, as Jesus is talking to His apostles in John 14, He says beginning at verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in Me. In My Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to Myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me. We have that city to come, the place that is prepared by Jesus. A place that is a city of gold, where we can gather around in God's presence forever and praise Him. In Revelation chapter 21, Revelation 21, beginning at verse 1, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and He will dwell with them, and they shall be His people. God Himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. And then he goes on in this text to give a description of that city and the rest of this chapter. And then he comes into chapter 22, and here's what is said. And he showed me, beginning at verse 1, a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him. They shall see His face, and His name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp, nor light of the sun. For the Lord God gives the light, and they shall reign forever and ever. And we can confidently say it as well with our soul, 
because we have that city prepared for us where we can go forever. A place where, as Paul says in Philippians, their citizenship was. It wasn't on earth, but in heaven. The place prepared by Jesus where we can go and be for all eternity gathered around the throne praising God for all of eternity. And we can confidently say because of that, it is well with my soul. What have we seen this evening? We've seen that we can say it is well with our soul because of the love of God and death of Christ, because Christ was raised from the dead, because God is on our side, because God has given us a plan to be forgiven, and because we have a home in heaven. The question then remains, what does our response then need to be? What do we need to do now that we have taken a look at this and we look at all these things? What do we first, what do we need to do? The first of those is we need to take a look at our lives and make sure that we put God first. Put God first and serve Him first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. We can put all the things of the cares of this world out of our mind and make sure that we put God first and He will take care of us for He will never leave us nor forsake us. We need to remember God's love. Remember that God loved us and what He did for us. That He sent His Son to come, to live, to die, and to be raised, to, to rise that third day that we could have the hope of heaven. We need to not forget about that home that we talked about because we know that we have that home in heaven. We need to remember that. Be motivated by that. Strive to be there for all of eternity. And then make any necessary changes that need to be made in our lives. If we take a look and say that maybe we've not done what we need to do, we need to make any necessary corrections in our life. And then, and then we can say, it is well with my soul. The question then remains as we conclude this evening. As you sit there and take a look at yourself, can you say confidently, it is well with my soul? If you're here and you're not a Christian, now is the time to obey the gospel. You're not assured of another opportunity. We do not know what tomorrow may bring, for what is our life? It is even a vapor that appears for a short time and vanishes away. So if you're here this evening and you're not a Christian, having heard the word, if you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, are you not willing to repent of your sins, to confess your faith, and be buried in the waters of baptism, that you can confidently say, it is well with my soul? Maybe you're here and you've done that, but somewhere along the line you say that you've not served God as faithfully as you should. Then you can confess your sins, you can pray to, repent of them and pray to God for forgiveness. And then you can be forgiven and you can confidently say, it is well with my soul. No matter what your need is, if we can assist you this evening in any way, would you not come forward as together we stand and we sing.